So it's Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 9. My heart within me is broken because of the prophets. All my bones shake. I am like a drunken man and like a man whom wine has overcome because of the Lord and because of his holy words. For the land is full of adulteries. For because of of a curse, the land moans. The pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up. Their course of life is evil and their might is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Yes, in my house I have found their wickedness, says the Lord. Therefore their way shall be to them like slippery ways. In the darkness they shall be driven on and fall in them. For I will bring disaster upon them. The year of their punishment, says the Lord. And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied by Baal and caused my people Israel to err. Also I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery and walk in lies. And they also strengthen the hands of evildoers. So that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me. And her inhabitants are like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. Behold, I will feed them with wormwood. And make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into the land. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak a vision of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, the Lord has said, you shall have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, No evil shall come upon you. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word? Who has marked his word and heard it? Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it perfectly. I have not sent these prophets, yet they run. I have not spoken to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, and had caused my people to hear my words, then they would have turned them from their evil way, and from the evil of their doings. I am a God near at hand, says the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can anyone hide himself in secret places so I shall not see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed and I have dreamed. How long will this be in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies? Indeed, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart, who try to make my people forget my name by their dreams which everyone tells his neighbor, as their father as their fathers forgot my name 
forbear. The prophet was a dream, let him tell a dream. And he who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the chaff to the wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord? And like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who steal my words. Everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, says the Lord, who use their tongues and say, He says, Behold, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, says the Lord. And tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their recklessness. Yet, I did not send them, nor command them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, says the Lord. And I'm sure the Lord will bless that portion of his truth. Um, It's a little bit scathing. uh, And yet sometimes I think we need uh, to look and see with eyes that are open what is actually taking place uh, in the church today. If you remember we started looking uh, at some of the lessons from Jeremiah just before Christmas. And uh, we saw the amazing preparation that God went through to bring Jeremiah to birth, to set him apart, to call him into ministry, to ordain him to be the prophet to the nation of Israel. We saw uh, that his ministry concerned the judgment upon God, upon this a judgment of God upon this rebellious people. And if you remember, he saw the boiling pot. And the boiling pot that signified the, the judgment that was coming upon Israel because they had turned away from God to their wicked ways. And of course we also saw that there was hope. There was hope of revival. We saw that when he saw the almond rod. The almond rod spoke of a time when God would bless his people and they would return to him. And there would be spring and blossom. In the air. So we saw that as well. But we looked again at Israel and we saw a number of contrasts. There were people who were walking with God, but there were people who weren't. And people who were saying things that didn't come from the Lord. Contrasts, of course, that Jeremiah had to address and minister into. This was his ministry, this was his, his purpose for being brought to birth at this time and I suppose that the society that Jeremiah belonged to is one like our own you know we have great people who are going around the country preaching the gospel preaching the true word of God but we also have people who are charlatans who are speaking their own words and they're trying to lead the people of God astray so we have a we are in exactly the same position today as Jeremiah was so many thousands of years ago. And now this morning, we come to another aspect of Jeremiah's ministry. And that is this message which he has to bring. A message that needed to be prophetic in nature. A message whose source was of the utmost importance. You see, what when you read Jeremiah, and indeed, when we read all the other prophets, you'll, you can't fail to notice 
that there seemed to be a great subsection of prophetic ministries in Israel. You know, there were prophets everywhere. You know, we are used to um, Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Daniel. We are used to those prophets because we read about them in the Word. They are familiar to us. And when they speak, there's that ring of truth about what they say. You know, somehow deep down, that Jeremiah spoke on behalf of God. You know, somehow deep down, that Isaiah spoke on behalf of God. You know, that Ezekiel spoke on behalf of God. Zechariah, Zephaniah, they all spoke on behalf of God. Because there was a ring of truth about what they were saying. They had this seal of approval from God himself. You know, but when we hear the words of Jesus, listen to what Jesus said uh, when he was speaking to his disciples or speaking to the Pharisees. He says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father. And that's what we have here. A kind of slap in the face, if you like, that tells us, that not everyone who comes with a word from God actually has a word from God. You know, we've got to be very, very careful that we are listening to the right people. Because not everyone who comes with a word from God actually has a word from God. Today, just like in Jeremiah's day, we have this cacophony of voices, of conflicting voices in our society. You want voices, of course, that sound so plausible, so powerful, so relevant. We'll be talking a little bit about this on Thursday night when we looked at the MO of Satan and we saw that he was close to the truth but he never spoke the truth. You know, and that's um, a problem that you and I have to face all the time. That we can be so hoodwinked into thinking that this man is saying the truth because there's little bits of it are the truth. And that's how Satan works. You know, and we can, so we can see that there are traveling preachers who go around the world and they draw men to themselves. There's great TV ministries that pour their, uh, their message into the homes of people. There are popular teachers, mega church pastors. You know, we have uh, great authors and songwriters. You know, we have the, the religious academics and the philosophers. We have miracle workers and deliverance ministries. We have poverty destroyers and food bank proprietors. You know, and uh, we have the pastors of the local church, leaders, and they all join this varied group of people. And they're all vying for the attention of the Christian, who by and large has forgotten the discipline of Bible study. That is the problem. That is the biggest problem that the church has today. That there are so many voices vying for our attention, but the people they are vying for have forgotten what it is to study the word. And therefore they are prey to anything that comes along. You wonder, 
by and large, of course, as well, they have forgotten the, the well-trodden highway of holiness. And so many Christians exist on a diet of Christian soundbites and platitudes served up at the well-laden tables of Facebook. Go on Facebook and look at the platitudes. And so many people are, that is, they a complete diet. When the word of God is shouting out, I've got more for you here. I got food for you here. I got strength for you here. I got understanding for you here. You is the discipline. And you is the discernment that you need when you listen to anyone. And I'm including myself in all this. You know, don't even listen to your pastor without checking the word. That's important and I've always said that as I've been in this place. And here we are this morning. Who do we listen to? Why should we listen to this person and not that person? You know, what is quite significant about Jeremiah and indeed Isaiah and Ezekiel, they were priests by birth and upbringing. In other words, they were priests before they became prophets. Before they became God's spokesmen, they were part of God's esteemed establishment. Yes, they were called to bring God's word to bear upon that establishment, but they weren't standing aloof from it. You know, it's quite easy, isn't it, to stand on the sideline and hurl criticisms into the heart of something. But it's quite another thing to be a part of that establishment and yet still have the courage and the understanding and the love to speak out against it. You know, in 2002, myself and Matthew, we made a conscious decision to limit the ministry in Emmanuel to those who are a part of Emmanuel. You know, there's been a few rare exceptions. We have had one or two outside speakers that have come into this place. And of course, Matthew is one now. We had to bend the rules a little bit uh, when, when he left. But for the last 18 years, those that minister here actually sit in the pews and know what's going on and have to watch as their ministries unfold before them. You know, and it's quite satisfying that we have such a, a great variety of ministry flowing from this place. You know, as a pastor, I am so thrilled to see so many of the people here, young and old, who are prepared to stand in this pulpit and preach what God has said to them, knowing that they will have to sit in the pew and see what happens. It's easy to come and preach here. And when the consequences start coming, that you're the other side of the world. That's so easy. But when you have to preach here and minister here, and then you have to sit in the pew and watch it unfold, it's a different thing altogether. And it concentrates the mind on what you really are saying. And that's why we made that conscious decision uh, 18 years ago. You know, um, each of our ministers here, speaking into our situation, 
I'm bringing God's word to bear upon us in the most relevant way. You know, we could easily invite all and sundry to come and speak. People who are free of all the consequences, who have no commitment here, no responsibility here, and more importantly, no relationship to this establishment. They can stand on our sideline and they can denounce with impunity the carrying on that are you. And yes, perhaps sometimes that is necessary. Perhaps it is necessary sometimes to listen to someone like that. But to my mind, I want to see those that speak to us from God's Word next week. And I want to see them the week after. And I want to know what their input in helping to put right what they have preached about on a Sunday. As I said, it's easy to preach and run. It's easy to, uh, to denounce and flee. It's when you've got to be here and sort things out and see things through. That's when it's important. And that's why I draw your attention to the fact that these three men, especially Jeremiah as we're looking at him, he wasn't someone who was parachuted in to tell these people what God was saying. He was someone who lived there. And he knew that when he spoke to these people, they would rise up in anger against him. And yet because of his relationship with God, because of his relationship with Israel, because he was there at the very heart of this establishment, his words were powerful words and supernatural words. And that's the type of ministry that I want to see in this place. People who become accountable, not only to God, but to each and every one of us. And it's important for us to know that. I want to see that their lives live up to their message. I want to see their input in bringing things right that they have supernaturally seen as wrong. I want to see if their words have a continued relevance to us as we go forward. People who parachute in and fly back out are not the type of preachers or prophets that I want to grow in Christ through. No, I grew up, my formative years when I was young, I grew up in a church where there were a, a number of men who not only spoke about Jesus, but even more, they showed me Jesus. And I tell you, you know, the standard of the preaching was, uh, wasn't sky high. You know, and uh, I learned more from seeing Jesus in them than hearing Jesus being preached from them in some, some respects. You know, and that's, no, that's not a criticism of them. They were miners, they were factory hands. And yet they brought the word of God. But even more so, they showed me Jesus. And I've never ever forgot that. And I've always been grateful for that. Because they showed me Jesus in their lives. They showed me Jesus in their families. They showed me Jesus in their workplaces. They showed me Jesus in their commitment to their faith. And I think I was very, very privileged to grow up in such an atmosphere of faith. Not the case for everyone, unfortunately. God is quite concerned that you and I actually listen to the right types of people. Listen to what John said in his epistle. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. 
Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Paul also tells us, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things. That's what I said earlier on. Test all things. Even your local pastor. Test all things. Hold fast that which is good. And again he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, it is the truth that sets us free. But the lie, however close it may be to the truth, will always bring us into bondage. You know, we can see that at the very beginning of creation when Eve listened to the half-line and she has brought the whole of the human race into bondage. And that's so easily repeated and repeatable in our experience as well. And so, who should we listen to? And to whom should we give our allegiance? Just by way of wetting our appetites this morning, we'll have a little bit more to say about who next week. But just to whet our appetites as we draw to a close, let's just take a few of the more familiar tests that God clues us upon. And the first one is in Deuteronomy chapter 18. And in Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verses 21 to 22, Moses is speaking. And this is what he says. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? You and I would hope that every time we come uh, to church in Emmanuel, or wherever we go, that we would always be wanting to hear what God is saying. That should be the uppermost in our hearts. We want to hear what God is saying. You want here we are. You know, this is what Moses is saying. You say in your hearts, How shall we know the word which the Lord has spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, says Moses, if that thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Now Deuteronomy, of course, is Moses' final message to, his, to the people of Israel. He's preparing them for life without him in the promised land. You want it's this wisdom that we glean from Moses in this final message that will hold us in good stead as we plot our course through our promised land. And here is the classic test of someone's ministry. You notice of late that the, the word prophetic, prophetic is very often attached to people's ministry. I got a prophetic ministry, you know. I got a prophetic ministry. You know, and it, it makes your ministry somewhat dynamic and therefore worth listening to. I tell you this, everyone who preaches the word has a prophetic message as a prophetic ministry because this is prophecy this is God speaking out so we're all 
Everyone who speaks has a prophetic ministry. But you notice that that is attached to some people's ministry in order to enhance their appeal to the masses. A prophetic ministry. We hear such preachers saying, God is doing a new thing. It's all about a new thing. You know, and this word new, it's so important if you're going to get people to follow you. It's a new thing God is doing. He's doing a new thing. And I remember being in the bath once, relaxing, enjoying it. I got a pillow on the bath now as well. So I can really sort of go for it. And, um, but Pauline has got a shelf in the bathroom with all her aerosols on and squirties and all that stuff, you know. The bit, all the stuff, she, I can see it freely this morning, she's not here. All the stuff that keeps her as young as she looks. It's all a facade, I can tell you now. And, but then I noticed one day that every one of those aerosols and every one of those tubes and every one of those bottles had the word new on it. You look when you go home. New. The new formula. You know, the new sheen. Or the new this. Or the new that. You know why? Because we want people to think that this is special. This is special. You know, and in the church we, we tend to think that if we're not saying that God is doing something new, then people are not going to listen to us anymore. They tell us this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Because God has somehow told them personally. Well, here's the test. You might not be little in any of that. I'm just saying, here's the test. When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if that thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing that God hasn't said. Now, I want to hear what God has said. And if someone comes and tells me something and it doesn't happen, then that is the word that he hasn't said. So I don't need to listen to that. What he has said is found in his word. You and here I am this morning. I'm speaking to you. Not my own opinion. Not what I've dredged up. Not what my mind has thought through. Not what my heart has envisaged. But here I am this morning preaching God's word. And therefore because it is God's word, it will come to pass. Because here it is, written in the word of God, in the Bible. You know, and therefore, who do we listen to? How many of us bother to check? You know, you hear these great big preachers, are you going to say, this is going to happen this year. This is going to take place this year. Oh, we're in for some great stuff this year. You know, and we get all infused, enthused. Not infused, enthused. And we jump up and down and we shout, Hallelujah, brother. What a wonderful message you brought us this morning. But I wonder, how many, how many actually look for the fulfillment of that? Or are they just in awe of the person so much that the fulfillment doesn't matter? If what he says is important. No. If what he says doesn't happen, then that's what God has not said. That's what God has not said. And what that person has done is simply tickled your ears. He's tickled your ears. You want expects you to be to remain loyal to him. But he doesn't deserve our loyalty. Because he's speaking presumptuously presumptuously and not the word 
of God. Of course we want to hear God's voice. But it's God's voice we want to hear. And not something that masquerades as God's voice. So the first test that we put on ministry is, does it come to pass? And if it doesn't, ignore it. The second uh, classic test is again found in Deuteronomy. Only this time is chapter 13. And I'm going to read verses 1 to 5. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known. Let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or of that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord you were God. Who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And redeemed you from the house of bondage. To entice you from the way in which the Lord you were God commanded you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. Now that's quite heavy. That's quite heavy. He's talking about killing people. Bumping people off. So you've got to be very careful. It's quite heavy. But I'm afraid that large swathes of today's church have completely ignored that warning. That very warning. Aye! But look at the things he's doing. Look at the results he's having. Look at the people that are walking now, that couldn't walk before, who are seeing now, that couldn't see before. Surely, the Lord is with him. Well, not so, says Moses. That isn't the test. Even Satan can masquerade as an angel of light. That isn't so. A preacher or a prophet is not judged by what he does. He's judged by what he says. It's the truth that you need. It's the truth above all else that you need. Yes, there are other things to take into account and we'll, we'll deal with them next week. But for this morning, take heed of these two classic warnings as you live out your Christian life. Ask these two classic questions every time you hear ministry. Is what he claims being fulfilled? And does what he says draw us closer to Christ and him crucified? Or does it take us further away? And there are the two classic tests of all ministry. You know, is, is it the truth that that person is pursuing? Or is it an agenda all of his own? And that's the essence of this chapter.
in what's the simplest, in its simplest form. And next week we're going to dig a little deeper and see more things that God has given us to protect us from the wolves. You know, it's, it's been very sad this week. We've had enough problems with the weather this week. But we've had to put up with the hearts of men as well. You know what I think? That's the street that's just not more than 30 yards from my house has been completely devastated by the floods. And every, every house in that street has been completely ruined. All of downstairs has been destroyed. There are people who are heartbroken, who have been displaced, who have lost everything, including their cars. So there's a sad moment for Pentra, you know, and other places as well. And yet, there are telephone calls being made to people in Pentra and round the valleys to persuade people to give towards the flood victims. And they're all a fraudulent hoax. You know, if we didn't have enough trouble with the weather, we have to put up with the trouble of men's hearts as well. You know, and I thank God that God has given us the means of discernment as to who we listen to. Because yes, there are charlatans out in the world who are set to defraud us of our material blessings. But there are charlatans within the church who are set to defraud us of our spiritual blessings as well. Which is worse still. So stick with me. Stay with me for another one Sunday morning at least. So we can check out the type of people that we should be listening to. Already we've seen two. Two tests. Perhaps next week we'll see a, a, a couple more. But will give us confidence in the person that we listen to. <clears throat> You know, and there, there are great preachers about. There are great men of God about. So don't get thinking there's no one out there. Because sometimes you can think, well, everyone's gone west. And you only, it's only a little couple are left. It's not, it's not the case. There are still millions of great preachers out there. So, but we need to discern which ones are the ones that we are going to glean God's word from. So I pray that the blessing of God's Spirit be upon us. And the discerning, discernment of knowing God's Word would be our experience this morning. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.